Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matthew Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. And we are back after having a week off because there is news in Miami Dolphins land, and that is Brian Flores has been named the 13th head coach in Miami Dolphins history, being introduced to the Dolphins media and the fans all over the world on Monday afternoon after winning the Super Bowl, after shutting down the Rams offense, after putting together a masterful game plan and doing a tremendous job calling the game. We're going to get into Brian Flores as we get on later in the show. But first, there was one more football game that had to be played, and that was Super Bowl 53 on Sunday when the New England Patriots defeated the Los Angeles Rams 13-3 to in a defensive slugfest where neither offense could do much until it mattered the most for the Patriots. And when the Rams started to finally get going, none other than Brian Flores called up a perfectly timed blitz to force a golf interception that sealed the game for the Patriots in their sixth Super Bowl victory. Lots of food was eaten, lots of beer and water and soda was consumed. How Sutton, football season is done. It is the offseason. Everyone is 0-0. And as we look towards the free agency and draft season coming up, just time to reflect once more on the very last game of the 2018 NFL season. What are your thoughts? I hope everybody was bored because it was just the Patriots winning, not because it was a low-scoring game. I, I don't understand why it's hard for people to root for a game that was one possession for the majority of the game. So I don't mind watching a, a defensive slugfest like that. And Like I said, it, it was close the entire game, so you can't ask for more than that. Now, I couldn't get my kids to sit down and watch the game with me because it was boring to them, but I, di- I didn't mind watching that type of performance. Cause I think you saw the nuances. You, you noticed that new England didn't blitz all that much early, but that perfectly timed play call there shifted the entire balance of the game. So I, I didn't mind that the defense was on the forefront. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow now that football season's over. I know we're all just as a Dolphins fan, you're kind of loving it. And I mean, as much as we hate the Patriots, as much as we hate for it to be the same old thing, I mean, we watched our head coach call a masterful game against, you know, the young offensive mind, Sean McVay. So uh, as sad as it was to see New England win another ring, uh, it kind of was the inevitable, and it was nice to see the our next head coach and, you know, the guy that we hope can turn this franchise around out there showing what he's got, you know, versatile. You see the different looks. Uh, they just played an all-around great game, and you got to credit yourself to Brian Flores. But overall, I mean, it was a Super Bowl. It, it sucks now that football season's over. Would have liked to see the Rams do more, but they, they just couldn't do it. So it is what it is. Let's get this Brian Flores era started. So the Brian Flores era did start. And, yes, we are moving on quickly from the Super Bowl. I don't think there's much to talk about. Actually, let's just take a step back real quick. I do want to talk about commercials because everyone loves the commercials. Personally, I thought that the commercials were pretty good this year. Um, I thought there was at least one good commercial every break. That is a change in the past where it seemed as if the commercials over the years had been declining and there weren't too many funny ones out there or too many that grabbed your attention. There were several for me that, that stood out. Um, I like the T-Mobile ones. I like the texting ones. I thought those were pretty funny. Uh, the Doritos one wasn't as good as 
they've had in the past, but still good nonetheless. The NFL 100 commercial was obviously fantastic. And then there was a few others sliced along the way for you, Houts and Sutton. House, we'll start with you. What commercial stood out to you the most? Yeah, definitely the NFL 100. I think that was probably the one that stood out and the one that was the most memorable. I think it was well done, and for me, that was that was a commercial of the night. Matthew, you probably won't understand. I, you probably didn't understand the commercial with the dragon in it because you're. Like, I forgot you know, about that one. You're the you're the only dweeb on planet Earth that doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, that I thought was that probably- was a Bud Light commercial. And I got pretty excited. It was a beer commercial, and then I saw. Nerd. I saw that thing. Uh, I saw that whatever it was flying through the air, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on here?" And then it was like, "All right, uh, okay, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that just ruined the entire commercial." <laughs> I hate you so much right now. It's no America's got. It's no America's got talent. That's for sure. And, yeah, but, yeah. and and by the way, Bud Light tastes like elephant piss. I hope oh, it's terrible. Drink, there were people. It, there were people at my Super Bowl party. Drinking Bud Light, and I didn't want it. I wanted to slap it out of their hand. I don't see. I don't, I don't see how you can just sit there and just pound Bud Light. It, I don't know. I unless just you're trying I mean, to sober up. Unless you're trying. I mean, to you, can, yeah, you can pound Bud Light once you're like ten beers in, right? Or like how said, like okay, you're just wanting to drink beer, but you don't want to get too drunk. You, you're already just trying to sober down, trying to calm down from the evening. Have a few Bud Lights, have a few Coors Light, whatever. But is that your go-to? I'm sorry. If you're in college, that's a different story. But even right. in college, you're sitting there like bonging three of them at the same time. It's not yeah, like you're but, just but sitting I feel there. Like college, I feel like college. I feel like college is different though because college kids don't have a lot of money. So to drink Bud Light, to drink Coors Light, that's all good. I'm not going to judge you if you're a college kid. If you're a grown adult drinking Bud Light, Coors Light, not that I'm judging you, but <laughs> you kind of are. But. I'm judging. You. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> How about halftime? Halftime was atrocious. Yeah. I, I honestly, I was playing <laughs> with my kids and just taught the tail end of it with Adam Levine with his shirt off. I was like, great. I'm sure that was a fantastic halftime show. And that was my favorite part. Yeah, yeah, they did some wrestling thing, and I so bad wanted to put that on the, the WWE Network, but my sister-in-law is a big Maroon 5 fan. I don't know what the hell was going on. I saw some SpongeBob <laughs> thing. I, I just didn't really understand. Matthew, is Adam Levine, is that the guy from America's Got Talent? I love it. No, that is the guy from The Voice. Oh, yeah. shit. Love that show, man. <laughs> <laughs> we should all watch The Bachelor and do like a power rankings each week. <laughs> None of us know what's going on. We just tweet out, yeah, man. He's got nice abs. Uh. <laughs> you want, do you want to start a podcast about The Bachelor? How many of you guys would listen, if you're listening right now, raise your hand if uh, you would listen to our podcast about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette? At least one episode, though, where we get super hammered and just watch it. <laughs> We're going to do that one day. Okay, we are going to do that one day. The finale. You may as well just do the finale. It has to be a show that none of us have watched for even an iota of a second. So we're just literally flying by the seat of our pants, which is ironically enough what we're doing right now on our very own podcast. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. No, let's do it. Let's start our own network. Let's start our own bachelor. There's someone at my job who has a bachelor bracket. She has a bracket and she does it with her friends. And they predict it's like March Madness, but like, except with, but with how you can how do you do that? I guess I don't even know the format of the game because 
so what what but happened? But don't they is, just get eliminated one at a time? Yeah, or but something? before before the very first show, they fill out their entire bracket. So each episode, each week, less and less. So then, whoever has the most standing at the end is the winner. I got gotcha. you. It's genius. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I'm like, I want to do this next year for money. I'd do. I'd go. For oh that. hell yeah, for money, absolutely. And you know, we'd probably win because we don't watch that stuff. And they say that people that don't watch that stuff are better because they don't overthink it. It's like football or basketball. I'm just lying. I watch it. <laughs> we know you do. Oh, God. No, I'm, I'm kidding. sorry. This spiraled out of control. This was like the movie Twister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We went from about to talk about, we went from talk, about to talk about Brian Flores to the commercials to halftime to wrestling. To someone take off their shirt. That's how my brain. Talent to the Bachelor, then to starting a podcast about the Bachelor and Bachelorette, and then to doing brackets about the Bachelor, and then my confession that I actually watched the Bachelor and the Bachelor. And don't drink Bud Light because it tastes like. And don't drink Bud Light or Coors Light, and we are not going to judge you, but we are going to judge you. All right. You guys ready to wrap up the show now that we've gone off the rails? <laughs> Brian Flores. No, now Brian we got Flores. like another 45 minutes of Flores talk. Let's do this. This is, this is what happens when you take a week off because there's no news going on in Dolphins world. All right. Let's get back on track here. All right. So Brian Flores introduced as the 13th head coach in Miami Dolphins franchise history. It kind of seems like it feels like we've went through so many coaches over the past several years, over the past decade that it seems like there's just been more than 13. If you count the interns, I'm sure there obviously there are more than 13. If you count the interns, there's probably a bunch more than 13. This team, this franchise, and Brian Flores, he's not that passionate, crazy guy that you're going to see like Chris Richard is. He's not that rah-rah type guy like Rex Ryan is. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. He's insightful. He has a charisma about him. It's like this... I don't know how to explain it. It's like this silent leadership about him that makes you want to just say, I'm going to follow you, right? It's it's nothing where he's getting in your face or I don't know. He just It just felt like he demanded respect just by the way he was talking in terms of how deliberate he was and what he was saying, how he was comfortable and confident in what he was saying. And it's just like, I want to get behind this guy. I want him to succeed. And that's not to say that a rah-rah type guy doesn't find success because they do. And everyone has their own way of leading. But if he were my boss, and I think of my boss now, and my boss, she's she's kind of like Brian Flores, but a little more rah-rah. But there's just they demand that respect because they know what they're talking about. And they just very comfortable in their own skin. I just got that feeling from Flores during his press conference. How it's, and, so, and I know you both have some thoughts on, on his initial thoughts and his initial words. Just want to kind of get your reaction to that. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty optimistic in these types of scenarios. I, I don't remember a Dolphins coach that we've got where I've been like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm always pretty, I guess, patiently optimistic so to speak so i'm i looked at it through the lens of looking at it for positives and like you said i thought he came across as very um real so to speak and you know a family guy and just somebody who 
wants to roll up his sleeves and get to work. And I think the real beauty about this from the very get go is his background in scouting. And I think he's going to really help the front office and, you know, the scouting department, the front office guys really streamline the process and make it really user friendly, make sure the information can be exchanged quickly. And, you know, as much as we'll talk about Brian Flores and, and, uh, loved his body language and all that kind of stuff in the press conference, but it's really going to come down to how we draft this year in the next couple of years to see how this rebuild is going to play out. So uh, really look, looking forward to him exercising that acumen he has in the draft process. Yeah, and I mean, Sutton nailed it on the head. I mean, we're all Dolphin fans. You know, you don't want to root against a coach when they first get here. You want to hope that things are different, that this might be the one. But just uh, he just seems like he gets it. And, you know, it seems like the players rally around that, you know, you know, his background, he's been with one of the most successful, if not the most successful dynasty in all sports, as painful as it is to say. So to, to see, think that he's going to come here and bring in his coaching staff, you know, try to mimic that, that's something to be exciting about. But at that introductory press conference, you know, he, he just seemed like a guy, you know, he's sitting there talking about how he loves his players, you know, how he demands a lot out of them, but he loves them. And, you, you know, it, it's not like a Tom Brady going out there and kissing the owner kind of love. This is like genuine stuff where you know those players are going to go out there each and every week and they're going to battle for this man. And, and I'm excited to see what the future entails. He signed the five-year deal. He's going to be around for a while. It seems like Stephen Ross has the patience. And, you know, we're going to see this thing play out for good or bad. But as a Dolphins fan, you just got to be excited because, if anything, it's something different than it was before. There's a lot of great takeaways from the Brian Flores press conference and just the things that he said, the things that Chris Greer has said. And you're right, son. You can't think of a time before where one wasn't optimistic after a press conference, right? I mean, that is one of the easiest things for a head coach to win and for a franchise to win. I mean, the exception is Adam Gase in New York where that kind of went off the rails a little (laughs) bit. That was a little goofy, yeah. (laughs) I guess – Supposedly, things got better in the one-on-ones afterwards that made people calm down a little bit. But you look at all the press conferences around the NFL that happened even this year. Vic Fangio, Zach Taylor on uh, Tuesday afternoon, Brian Flores, of course. The other hirings, Bruce Arians, for example. They all they all went well. And uh, Joe Philbin's went well. Adam Gase's went well. Dan Campbell's went well. All the interns went well when they were introduced, if they were introduced at the time. Tony Spermano's went well. And it, it's just an easy thing to win. And you don't want to start off your tenure with a bomb press conference. So everything he did was good. We just need to see the results now, right? We need to see how they approach the combine, how they approach free agency, how they approach the draft, and how they approach training camp. Brian Flores presented a very detailed plan to Chris Flores in his interview nine months leading up to the very first game of the regular season. Uh, Chris Greer said this wasn't uncommon for the candidates. He said all the candidates presented a plan, but he mentioned that most of them presented a three-month plan or a six-month plan. Brian Flores presented a plan all the way to the first game of the regular season. So that uh, took them not by surprise, but they came away very impressed with that. Going back to free agency in the draft, Both Chris Greer and Brian Flores mentioned several times that they want to build this thing the right way, and they want to do it in a way that's going to determine long-term success. And Chris Greer actually said something to the effect of, we've had head coaches here like Tony Soprano. He didn't say the names, but we all know who he's talking about. Tony Soprano and Adam Gase, who made the playoffs in their first year 
and everyone said, okay, the Dolphins are back, but then it was just trying to survive year after year. And I thought this one part of his quote was a little interesting. He said this, Chris Greer, we don't want to go to the playoffs one year and then step back and everyone thinks, oh, they're back. And then you just keep trying to survive. We want to build this to where this is long-term and you could win for many years. And this is the important part here. I'm throwing this in. Uh, instead of trying to go year to year to fill spots to save jobs. Let me repeat that. Instead of trying to go year to year to fill spots to save jobs. It's crazy when you when you break that down because coaches and general managers all throughout the NFL do this all the time. They know they're on the hot seat. They have no care in the world for future ramifications with salary cap and draft picks and everything else because they're trying to save their job. And they will go out like Adam Gase did and like Mike Tannenbaum did and throw money at guys who they think are going to work out. They're going to go out and sign these older guys who they think will come in and change the culture. And at the end, it just doesn't work out. Mike Tannenbaum signs the Dominican Sioux, signs Ryan Tannehill to an extension, restructured both of their contracts, and the cap effects are still hurting the Dolphins because he was trying to save his job. Adam Gase went out last year and signed all these veterans because he was trying to save his job. I like this. I like that they're going to build it the right way. You can call it tanking. You can call it rebuilding. You can call it tearing it down and building it back up, whatever you want to do. But I think they're doing it right. And they both said they're going to build this team from the trenches. They didn't rule out a quarterback in this draft. They're going to evaluate everything. So if they fall in love with a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins, like Kyler Murray, like someone else there, maybe Will Greer, maybe uh, Drew Locke, whoever it might be, they're not going to be afraid to pull the trigger. But I would bet right now 70-30% that they'll be picking a defensive or offensive lineman in that first round of this year's NFL draft. Let's just go with a little team building here, uh, roster construction, Sutton and House. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how these two guys kind of work together and, and build this thing from the ground up. I think this class, as far as defensive side, uh, defensive line is definitely going to be something the Dolphins look at there in the first round. But overall, it's going to be interesting to see how everything kind of mends together. You know, you got Chris Greer and Brian Flores. This is the new era. You know, we were talking about Brian Flores earlier in the show, but this is just just as much about Chris Greer. And, you know, they got to find a quarterback. They got to build the trenches. You know, they got to sign some of these players long term. I mean, you got to make a huge decision on Laramie Tunsil, uh, Jawan James, Xavier Howard. I mean, these are guys that need to get paid. So, yes, this is a rebuild. Uh, quotations, you know, everyone's called that, but at the end of the day, this team's building to hopefully be a consistent, you know, uh, contender in the playoffs and to see some of these decisions come in full circle. It's going to be very, very telling to see uh, what Chris Greer and Brian Flores have in them early on in their careers. And how it's mentioned growing this from the ground up, Brian Flores is Spanish for Brian flowers and where do flowers grow guys? The ground up. So we have the perfect person to grow this thing from the that ground up. SB that was amazing. Should, SB Nation should really give me a raise. Was that poetry? Was that poetry? That was amazing. <laughs> was it not? Anyway. That was, be- that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think – I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, Matthew, but the fact that we signed Brian Flores to a guaranteed five-year contract yeah. compared to you know most of the deals usually have a team option there at the end. So I think that does – that solves one of the issues that I had going into this was, you know, is Brian Flores just a fall guy for somebody that we're going to hire, you know, 
a year or two from now. So I think that really does solve that answer. Brian Flores is the guy for an extended period of time. And another way of, to look at this is he's going to have to be so bad for us to, you know, take on the financial ramifications of releasing him from that contract early. So hopefully everything is going to work out. But uh, I, I think that speaks to, you know, a, another part of this process that it really is the long-term approach. And <clears throat> um, I, I agree with it, you know? No, I agree with you. Absolutely. And the, the dolphins are going to build this thing the right way. And they're going to do it with a veteran staff mixed in with young guys. We're going to talk about that coaching staff right after this short break from SB Nation. And you'll notice that new format there mixed in there, that advertisement. It is part of SB Nation's newest uh, process going forward. Nothing to do with us. We didn't put anything in there. We're not making any money off those ads per se. Um, So it's just SB Nation's thing. You'll find it on all the SB Nation's podcasts across the entire network. So we do thank you for bearing with us through that short, brief break. But let's talk about that coaching staff. Nothing has been finalized with any coaches, but we've heard all the rumors. Jim Caldwell coming in as a senior assistant. Dolphins are talking to Dom Capers, trying to get him coming in as a defensive senior assistant. We're looking at Patrick Graham from the Green Bay Packers as a defensive coordinator. We're looking at Chad O'Shea as the offensive coordinator. They're bringing over the assistant Patriots quarterbacks coach to be the Dolphins quarterbacks coach. Eric Studsville, running backs coach, all signs point to him staying. It sounds like Tony Odin will be staying as well, the defensive backs coach. And we don't know fully about the other guys. We do know Sean Jefferson is gone. We do know Chris Kosarek, the defensive line coach, is gone. Sounds like Jeremiah Washburn is gone as well. And also a few other coaches that have gone elsewhere. The biggest one, biggest name, I should say, is Darren Rizzi and Matt Burke leaving as well. So there will be lots of changes. I expect some names to come out this week. But I really, really do like the way they're building the staff. They have the young coordinators with the senior guys to lean on and Brian Flores to lean on those guys as well as he becomes the head coach and prepares to deal with a lot more than he's ever dealt with before. Obviously, as you're the man in charge, you're in charge of pretty much the entire football team, the operations there, working alongside Chris Greer. So you're going to to get things that come across your desk that you're normally not used to. Brian Flores has been preparing himself for this to make sure that he understands what to expect. Obviously, you never know what to expect until it actually happens. But the Dolphins are bringing in smart guys. Brian Flores is not relying on simply his friends like Adam Gaston, like others have done in the past, such as Joe Philbin, Tony Sperano. You see it all across the NFL. Refreshing. And, you know, I'm trying not to get too pumped up because we all got pumped up about Adam Gase. We all got pumped up about Philbin. We all got pumped up about Sperano. And the list goes on and on and on. But it's promising when you look at it on paper. Sign. You know, and you mentioned a really important context for me earlier when you had mentioned what Greer said in his press conference, and that was, we're not going to do this thing where it's a year-to-year thing to save jobs. And when you come in and when you're coming in as a a new unit and you're going to look at the roster and evaluate it, what better of a environment to have a true discussion than to say like, hey, we're uh, not going to just go ax everybody after this year, you know, we're going to commit to this, this vision that we have. So I think you can really come in and look at this roster in a, in a really uh, organic way because say Adam Gase survived this year and 
he comes into the draft room and what where's his momentum and his crew that's with him what position would they be advocating for quarterback no question about it because that would get him more years theoretically uh, assuming that the the rookie got to play and had some modicum of success, you would think that would get Gase another year. So we may have been looking at Gase going into year five, not knowing if he was the real guy or not. So you you can already see the imbalance that you coming in with a certain slant can distort how you look at the roster. So I think it's just going to be a really good thing to have these guys come in and be able to look at this in kind of a non-threatened way and really just be able to exercise, you know, all the knowledge that they've accumulated all these years. And Brian Flores, again, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, having the background in scouting, I think he's a perfect guy to, to lead this process. Yeah, and let's not underrate, you know, assistant GM Marvin Allen that came in there, one of Greer's close friends. You know, he had a lot of success there with Kansas City, went up to Buffalo, found them a quarterback. So, uh, overall, this whole Brian Flores thing, I mean, it gives us reason to have hope. And the biggest difference between Flores and Gase, other than the crazy eyes, you know, it is the coaching staff. And you got Jim Caldwell coming in to look over Chad O'Shea. And earlier today or earlier yesterday, it sounded like, you know, they, they broke that maybe Dom Capers was coming in if he didn't get a, a job elsewhere. So, I mean, those are two advisors that are going to be looking over these young guys and kind of have a – I don't know, maybe a scheme in place, you know, so if these next guys, the Chad O'Shea's, you know, the Patrick Rams, they go on to bigger pastures, you know, maybe the Caldwell's and the Capers, they can keep that that scheme there and, you know, build this thing long-term and, and be able to continue to get better with the overtures that do come with the NFL. But it's something to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm excited to see where this thing goes. And, I mean, this offseason, it's going to be a very, very, very long, you know, tw- Twitter's going to get unbearable, you know, you know how it is. Just know that there eventually there are going to be bigger and better things for this franchise. It might not be next year. It might not be the year after. But at some point, the Miami Dolphins are going to be a very good football team, and we're all going to remember. You know the heartbreaks, the the, the two and fourteen seasons. You know the different ups and downs that we've suffered throughout our lives. Because at one point, the Miami Dolphins are going to be great again, and we're all going to be excited to have been there the whole time. I think the season will be different in a way because. You look at a team like the Jets this year. You look at a team like the Browns this year. And even though they didn't make the playoffs, even though they didn't win a ton, and the Browns were on the cusp of the playoffs, they turned their season around midway through. You look at a team like the Bills. If things are trending up and a team is getting better as the season goes on, it gives you a different kind of hope. I almost go back to my first year our first year with Ryan Tannehill, right? The team, I believe, finished 7-9, and something close to that. But we all felt a sense of optimism moving forward. And obviously, that optimism would be short-lived, and we little did we know at that time that that was Ryan Tannehill's basically ceiling here or there. But I I think if the team is going in the right direction, like the 49ers almost before this year with Jimmy Garoppolo, at the end of the season two years ago where they pulled off five straight in a row. There's just a different feeling other rather than going into a season thinking you're going to be a playoff team and then struggling the entire year. And it just sets up everyone for disappointment. I know a lot of fans have been out there saying, well, why are the dolphins leaking that they're going to be tanking? They're going to be rebuilding. They won't be winning a lot because 
what they're doing now is just setting our expectations low, right? They always tell you under or is it over deliver, under deliver, and then overachieve or something like that. If you have a deadline, give it a few more days, but turn it in early, whatever. If the Dolphins exceed that, it's going to be a huge bonus if they flop into the wind everyone's going to say, well, we expected this to happen. It's actually a very good move by the Dolphins to set everyone's expectations now. Because if they believe they have the right guy, they're going to make this thing work moving in the future. Well, they have to have some kind of understanding that it'd be a little duplicitous of the ownership to you know, come out and basically say, yeah, we're we're looking at the future for this. You know, it, This could take a minute. And then also turn around and be like, well, why aren't ticket sales soaring through the roof this year? So I think they're going to have to understand that there may be some fewer season ticket things. Wouldn't you guys think that that would be at least a little bit of the fallout from some of this? But, you know, you take it on the chin and you're rolling the dice that this works. And then if it does work, no one's going to care how we got there. You know, we're just going to be so elated that we're actually there. Yeah, just draft Kyler Murray. That'll sell tickets, and you can rebuild or do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Set the bar low You're and then not get our hopes way that. back up. <laughs> You're not wrong about that. All right, before we wrap up the show, any last thoughts on Brian Flores, on the coaching staff, on anything that he said during his press conference? Again, I'm optimistic. We've all been optimistic before. Let's see how things play out, but it seems like this franchise is finally settled in the right direction, and everyone's on the same page. And I think we're going to see some good progress moving forward. Cautious optimism, I think, is the best way to describe this. Cautious optimism and really looking forward to how everybody comes in and evaluates the roster. You know, they may project players differently than Adam Gase and his staff did. So they, we may see, I don't know, Jerome Baker put on 10 pounds and play inside linebacker when we're in three, four formations on top of, you know, playing in nickel situations. There were a lot of three D defensive linemen situations uh, personnel wise for new England last year. So, you know, who's playing the zero techniques for us, who's who's playing the three techniques, who, who are the three down linemen if we are in that three defensive line situation. So uh, long story short, you'll hear a lot about Brian Flores's hybrid defense. I think the Dolphins have a little work to do to be able to do the things that he really wants to do. Yeah, and it's going to be exciting to see what he does with the pieces that are in place. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Xavier Howard, if they hopefully – or, you know, they, they choose to re-sign him. Uh, you know, the Bobby McCains, the Jerome Bakers, the Vincent Taylors, the Devon Godchalls, you know, the Raekwons. It's going to be fun to see what a coach like Brian Flores can do with those pieces and build this roster from the ground up to be in his mold. Uh, I'm excited to see the direction it goes because you went from having Adam Gase, an offensive guy, a guy who, you know, promised all these things offensively, never really quite panned out. Now you got this defense in mind who just shut down arguably the best offensive coach in the NFL. You know, teams were trying to mimic the Sean McVay way, and Brian Flores completely discredited that. So, I mean, it'd be nice to see how this team sets, how things build in the next few years because, I mean, yeah, we're here long term, and it, it's 
It's different than what we've had in recent years, and I guess that's reason to be optimistic. Enjoy the offseason. Let's hope a lot of these coaching signings come out over the next week or so because that's how this team's going to win games. That's how this team's going to set itself up for future success, building the roster and building that coaching staff for better things. We will be back with you next week. We are sure that some coaching hires are going to be announced. Next week we'll be here with you, breaking down those hires, telling you all about them. Let's face it, you can have the best head coach in the world, but if he doesn't have an assistant coaching staff to help support him, he won't be able to accomplish anything. So it's going to be very important as Brian Flores sorts out this coaching staff to get the right people in place to move this team forward. We'll talk philosophy. We'll talk what they're probably going to be bringing to the table and how we can use all that information to figure out or to narrow down who the Dolphins may be selecting in a free agency in the draft. For Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one.